Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello there, and welcome to the Buy Guy podcast. I'm your host, Jay Keith Brown, and this podcast exists to bring help and encouragement to my fellow bisexuals, as well as all others within the LGBTQ plus community. Subjects that we'll cover in this podcast will include sexual identity trauma, shame, family dynamics, relationships, coming out issues, bisexuality, dating, mindset, faith development within the Christian faith, and a whole bunch more. Two disclaimers first, please. I am not a licensed therapist or a medical professional. If you need either of those services, please do consult a licensed professional. Also, the views expressed in this podcast are either those of myself or my guest, and they should be considered as such. All right, grab that favorite beverage of choice, have a seat here at my table, and let's chat on this episode of the Buy Guy Podcast. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Bye Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Brown, and this is a Friday Bible Talks episode, and I really do appreciate you listening. Um, don't forget that I do work with people in this area of life. If you're part of the, uh, even any part of the LGBTQ plus community, and you are a person who is still trying to bridge the gap between your identity and your faith, then please don't forget that I'm here for you. I would be happy to coach you in this area. There is no long-term commitment for this type of coaching. It is done on a per session. You can get a savings if you buy a package, but you know that's up to you. If you just like to work with me with this and me help you a little bit in your deconstruction process or your thinking through faith, then I'd be certainly glad to do that with you. So check it out. You can go to um, djkeithbrown.com, look under coaching. You'll see faith coaching there. And again, I'd be happy to work with you in that area. Okay. Also, let me also, uh, in, in light of that, I also have a digital course that I just want to mention periodically to you. It's called Inlet Journey. And this is a whole complete digital course that I think it's like $49 right now. And so it's extremely affordable. And what it does is it talks about seven key theological topics. And so I basically share a little bit of information about those topics. And then I purposely give you some journaling questions to ask yourself so that you can begin to process and think about and question, analyze, and consider these particular topics when it comes to your faith. So that's called Inlet Journey. So check it out. Again, it's at the website too. All right, so let's get our attention back to the Bible today, and let's talk a little bit about what um, Paul, or attributed to Paul, 1 Corinthians, has to say for us today. I'm going to take it from the 8th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 13. I want to read it to you, and then I just want to share with you a thought I had in relation to this text, okay? 
Now, concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things and we exist from him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol unto now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, who have knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against God. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. All right. Now, this is about basically ritualistic food, idol uh, food that has been sacrificed to idols. Is it okay to eat it or not to eat it? Um, are there foods that we should eat and foods that we shouldn't eat? And we're not talking about a nutritional part of our diet here. We're talking about a symbolic or a spiritual aspect to the food. And all this conversation goes on and on. And of course, the writer is telling us that, no, there really isn't any such thing. And, and we know that. However, if somebody else sees us eat this stuff, then it could really screw them up in their faith, right? I mean, that's basically the idea. So the whole concept here is one that we need to consider. And I think we need to consider it a little bit differently. One of the things that I see here is sort of an arrogance of knowledge. The whole concept here, I think the writer is trying to get across to us, is that we, even if we know something when it comes to faith issues, should be sensitive to the knowledge and the faith and belief of other people. And therefore, we should do, act, and speak in a way that edifies others, that lifts them up, encourages them, makes them stronger not questions, not files, or not arms them, and their faith. And so we can see this played out in a number of ways. Yes, through food, perhaps, especially in this time, and because that was such an important part of their lifestyle and their culture. But even today, those of us who would say, you know what, there's really nothing wrong with me doing this, you know, that's not sin. It's not, there's no, it's not going to hurt my relationship with God in any way, whatever. And then, of course, the argument there is, but you know what? If you do this, what if somebody else sees you that maybe doesn't have that same understanding and they see you do this thing and it messes up 
their faith or it somehow takes them on a path of uh, a lack of faith or trust in God or or something like that, right? And so if we look at this, a part of it makes sense that, you know, we want to guard our testimony, so to speak. We don't want to do anything purposely, I think, to hurt or destroy another person and their faith in God. But yet we also have to look at the flip side of that. And that that puts such a heavy responsibility on us that I dare say that many of us cannot carry in its full capacity. In other words, let me put it this way. I don't want anybody looking at me personally and looking at my life and looking at my, what I say and I do and how I am and all this stuff. I don't want anybody looking at my life under a microscope and then letting that be an indication toward their faith of what they should, shouldn't do and their relationship with God. I call myself a misfit Christian because I am just an ordinary man who loves God, who believes in Jesus and tries to follow his teaching as best I can, although as imperfectly as I do. So I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's lack of faith or destruction of their faith. That is never my intent. And yet I also know that nobody should be looking at me as the perfect barometer to their faith. Because there's only one who could stand up to that type of accusation. To me, that is none other than Jesus Christ himself. So if we want to compare ourselves to anyone, let's compare ourselves to Jesus. So there's a lot of people that will make us feel very, um, very down, very low, very judged because we perhaps do this or do that, or we believe this particular behavior is okay, or this type of thinking is okay, and they don't. So therefore, they tell us that we are destroying other people's faith who are weak in their faith because they see us and we are a bad example, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. But I think, again, what we have a responsibility to do is not point people to us, but to point people to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can stand in the full light. Jesus is the only one who can stand to the um, exploration and the analyzation and the microscope, if you will, of examination. Not you and me, my friend. And so if you take on this burden too seriously or too, too much, I think it can be very detrimental. I also think this is a way that many of us were raised in the church. I know I was. You shall not do this, and you shall not do that. And many times it was, yes, they believed that this was a bad thing, it was sin, and you you were hurting your relationship with God. But many times it was because you shouldn't do that because other people might see. It's that old joke where, what's the difference between an Episcopal and a Baptist? Well, the Baptist goes to the other city across, you know, another city to buy their liquor from the ABC store. The idea is, I don't want anybody ever see me buy liquor. If they did, they would think I was a bad Christian and it might make them stumble in their faith. <laughs> the truth is, many of us have very different ideas of what it means to follow Jesus. We have very different ideas of what we believe is okay, you know, what is acceptable in our faith. And one person's judgment is just perhaps as good as another's, and one person's opinion about what it means to be a true Christian. 
probably could stand up as much as anybody else's. So I think that this is most often preached, but I want to go a little bit deeper than this. I want to get to what I believe is one of the core messages here. Because if we go back to the very beginning of this text and we look at it very carefully, the writer tells us something very clear. Knowledge can lead to arrogance. And when I read that, it just it jumps off of the page, so to speak, to me. Because that, my friend, is what I think I see most often in the Christian church today. And let me also add that this is not just one side of the universal church. Let me explain. It's very easy for us in the LGBTQ community to know that there are many Christians who have a very strong belief in our sinfulness and in our position within the church, or lack thereof, I should say. And they make no secret about this. And they are very, many of them, very arrogant in this belief, this strong belief that they have. And they are very clear and very confident in stating this belief and their condemnation to hell. We know that if we're part of the community, we've heard this over and over and over again. It's part of the reason that so many, especially those that were born and raised inside the evangelical church, have suffered such trauma and shame. But here's the thing I want to follow that up with. I often see this same arrogance on the other side, too. I often see those that are affirming, those that are uplifting to the community, come across as arrogant and as demeaning as what I just described. Because they will say things, well, you're just being idiotic, or you just don't know, or you haven't done this, or you haven't studied this, or you haven't... Added. And there becomes such a statement of, you know, you're wrong, you are wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. And these canons, fires of accusation and judgment go back and forth with arrogance on both sides. And what I see missing in this whole picture, this whole aspect of the huge universal church of the living Lord Jesus Christ is the simple word, love. So, this old guy, this old by guy, has to ask the question, where is the love? When I speak, where's the love? Where's the desire to, to care, to encourage, to share, to listen? I don't know. Is there a balance between knowledge and love? And sometimes are we more concerned with being right than we are being loving? Hmm. Some to chew on, maybe. Move your hurts, move your mountains. 
and may God bless you. Bye-bye, my friend. Well, there you go, my friend. Another episode of the Bye Guy podcast. I don't know about you, but that went way too fast for me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do make sure that you are subscribed or following. And if you can, on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, please do give it an honest five-star rating. I really do appreciate that. That helps us grow this podcast, and I need folks like you to help me do that. Also, if you can really think about becoming a Patreon member of this podcast for only $5 a month, that money will go to help put this podcast out to the world. I really would appreciate it. And of course, you can cancel at any time. There's a link in the show notes. Until next time, don't forget, heal your hurts, move your mountains, and may God bless you.